So let us, let us pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for today. We, we thank you for the privilege to gather around your word. Lord, today, I pray as we turn to your word, you would open our hearts and our minds to all that you have for us today. Father, speak your truth into our living. And we all said together, amen. All right, all right. So my name is Nathan, and it is great to see everybody here today. Uh, I, I usually, most Sundays, am over at our sister congregation, Peace in Tustin. So if anybody's joining us online today from there, hey everybody, how's it going? It's great. They send their warm love and their, uh, yeah, their welcome to you guys today as well. It's my privilege to be here, like I said. Uh, I, I haven't got a chance to meet a ton of you but one thing you'll hear, and maybe you can already hear it in my voice a little bit today, is that I am not from California, okay? I grew up in Texas, of all places, right? So if sometimes, and I've gone through like years of like hard work and therapy to get that accent out of my, uh, out of my voice, but you might hear a y'all come out of my voice today or my, my mouth today. But I grew up in Texas, and I'm going to share something with you that I think is maybe a shock to some of you looking at my like striking physique up here. But I spent summers, summers in Texas working on a ranch. And uh, I know I look like your typical ranch hand, right? But for me, this was an awesome way to connect with others, be outside, to work hard under that hot Texas sun, to sweat a little bit. And, uh, you know, we just had a great time. It was a lot to love and a lot to enjoy. It was my grandparents' ranch that we worked on, and we would travel down there, and it's a little bit hilly where the ranch was. And I can remember early on one of those experiences, driving down that road, and as we went around a corner, coming up over a hill when we saw it. This was a shocking moment for me as a, as a, young, as a young boy. And I remember looking out, and seeing about a hundred yards away the carcass of a coyote that was pinned to a fence post. And I remember asking my grandmother, like, like, what is with that? Like, it's gross, it's unsettling, it's unnerving, and it made me really uncomfortable. And I remember asking her, and she grew up in the country, so my grandmom, she, to her, this was just normal. But she, 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 she answered sort of in a simple and to-the-point, matter-of-fact way. She said, well, they do that to save the cattle. See, coyotes often would come out at night when the ranchers were away, and they would descend on the, the herd of cattle. These unprotected cattle, well, the little calves would often be hauled away. It would have been disastrous for the herd. So the thought was, whether it's true or not, that by, by displaying that, that object of death, by displaying the object that brought hurt and pain to the cattle, to the herd, by hoisting it up on a fence post, it was thought to deter the other coyotes from attacking. It was thought to bring safety and life to the endangered herd. Like I said, we're not sure whether that worked or not. I guess that depends on who you talk to. But the truth that was taught to me that day, that summer in a ranch in Texas, wasn't far from the truth that we're going to discover from God's word today. Here's the truth. Looking at that which causes death brings new life. 
looking at that which causes death brings new life. See, friends, today, our scripture passage invites us to do just that. We're going to stare at something that makes us often a little bit uncomfortable. Our passage invites us to stare at that which causes death, that which causes destruction, causes hurt, causes harm in our own lives. And what we will discover today, it is in that moment that we discover the freedom that has been won for us. We discover abundant life that God has for each of us. But before we jump into God's word, I think we've got to acknowledge that this may be a little hard for some of us. See, even just talking about this probably has put some of you off. Many of us don't like to be uncomfortable. We spend our whole lives working hard at keeping the things that make us feel uneasy away. We don't like to be reminded of our imperfections. We certainly don't like it if our shortcomings are pointed out. We're even uncomfortable sometimes with the idea of sin in the first place. Like when we come to church, we often have this idea that we can pretend like we have it all together. We may even think that we're doing a pretty good job with this life and we don't need to spend time thinking about such unpleasant things. That's one camp, right? But then there's others that are in the other camp. You've got others who are with us today. Maybe this is you. Those who are overwhelmed. There's a lot of hurt. There's a lot of brokenness that our sin and our sinful decisions can bring on our lives or others' sin and others' sinful decisions. You may be keenly aware today of the weight of it all. You may feel trapped by it, by the decisions that maybe you've made that have brought harm on yourself. So whether you're pretending sin doesn't exist or whether you're crippled by the fact that it does, wherever you find yourself today, my prayer for you is that today's passage reveals a powerful truth to you, uh, the place we find freedom from it all and purpose for our lives. We're going to look today at this. Looking at that which causes death brings us new life, abundant life today. That's a truth that unburdens us and provides us with that abundant, wonderful life now. Y'all ready to dig in? Let's do... That was very underwhelming. Y'all ready to dig in? Very good. In today's gospel lesson, we're going to pick it up in the middle of a conversation. Uh, many of us have heard this passage at the end of it. Uh, we could recite it by memory. John 3.16 is one of the most famous passages in all the world. But we may not be aware that it comes out at the end of a conversation Jesus was having with someone. It's between Jesus and a man named Nicodemus. Now, Nicodemus was a teacher of the law. He was a highly respected member of the Sanhedrin, a rich and powerful, authoritative man, a ruler within the Jewish community there. This is a man who had spent the better part of his life meticulously trying to obey every aspect of God's law because to him, that was the way to an abundant life now. But see, for Nicodemus, a relationship with God was all about what you do, okay? It was all about what you do, what you do with your life, your religious behavior. 
But John, the author of this gospel, he subtly reveals something right off the bat. At the beginning of their conversation, John, John says this. He, that is Nicodemus, came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. I want to get that passage up on the screen if we can. There are some words that are bolded there. I did that for you today to make it stand out. Though Nicodemus totally can see something's up with this guy, right? Like Jesus is different from most other people that he's met. And he's even acknowledged that he might be a prophet. God's somehow with him. We are learning something about Nicodemus clearly right here. John often uses darkness, nighttime, to indicate the presence of spiritual and moral darkness in someone's life. So the truth revealed here is that Nicodemus, with all of his religiosity, with all of his study of God's word, with all of his good behavior, even with his recognition that God is somehow with Jesus, Nicodemus was still in the dark when it came to a relationship with God. The conversation continues. Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old, Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus brings this statement seemingly out of left field. This is like a, a typical Jesus move, right? Answering questions that haven't even been asked. And he kind of throws things into a little bit of chaos for Nicodemus. He says, no one, no one can see no one can be a part of God's ruling and reigning in this world. No one has the ability on their own to live in this abundant life that God has for his people from now and to eternity, unless they are what? What does it say? Born again. Everybody say born again. Born again. This is key. After Nicodemus uh, obviously doesn't get it, right? He, Jesus is pointing him to this word, born again. And another way to translate this word is born from above. Nicodemus totally is confused. He misses the point completely. Surely a person can't enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. But what Jesus is revealing here is that humanity is broken beyond all repair. God's work in your life is not a question of just fixing some part of it, right? As if, maybe if I invite Jesus into my life, he can take this one thing that's broken, the rest of it's going pretty good. It's about starting from scratch. You need to be reborn. Everything that was needs to die. And you need to receive new birth, a new start. Not from yourself or anything you've done, well, this is something that's done to you. Babies don't birth themselves. All the women out there are like, amen, right? You've been there, right? Babies don't birth themselves. I've seen it three times. Uh, three children, they're wonderful, each time a miracle in and of itself. But it's something a mother goes through, right? 
The mother gives birth to the baby. The baby is passive in the birth process. So here's the truth that's being revealed here for us today. We are in the kingdom of darkness. Jesus brings in the kingdom of light. To enter into his kingdom of light isn't about moral modification. It's not about ascending to a higher spiritual plane. It's not about trying to be a better person. It's about receiving the free gift that God, the God of the universe, calls you to die to what was, and he creates something new in Jesus. That's good news. Jesus continues, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. See, many believe that Jesus here is pointing to baptism, which is a moment where the water is there and the word of God is spoken and God brings the power, the forgiveness of sins to us sinful humans. He brings us what Jesus won for us on the cross. And Nicodemus, he asks a really good question at this point. Well, how can this be then? How will this happen? And this is where we're going to spend the rest of our time today. Jesus says this, no one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the son of man. Essentially, Jesus is saying here, he is the only one who can reveal this truth to humanity because he and no one else has ever been in heaven and descended to earth. Not only that, he is God himself in human flesh, clothed, come down to the earth to reveal God to us, to reveal God's love, his plan of salvation to us. So essentially he says, I'm God here on the earth. Now listen to what I'm about to say. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. This seemingly random biblical reference highlights another important truth about salvation. Here's what Jesus is getting at. In the desert, the newly liberated people of God, who had been in oppressive slavery, oppressive conditions, being beat down, cried out to their God, and he saved them. He led them out of Egypt. He established them as his people. He gave them his word. And they grumbled and complained. They were complaining about the manna, the food that they had received from heaven. What is this food you've given us? We're tired of it. We're tired of you and your prophet you've given us. God sent fiery serpents into their camp. And these serpents bit many people. This is before the medical advances. You could go to a hospital and receive an antivenom, right? So being bit by these serpents was a death sentence. People were doomed. People were poisoned. The people were dying. 
And then they cried out to God in their desperation, knowing they were in a pit of despair by their own making. And God instructed Moses to make a bronze snake and to hoist it up on a pole for all to see. Those that looked on this snake would be healed. Jesus is saying, this is what salvation through him is like. Jesus is a snake. We've got a little work to do, right? The first thing to note is this. The people here in Israel are doomed and dying people. They are people helplessly stuck in a situation of their own making, and it only ends in one place, death. So it's really interesting that God tells Moses to take the object that caused their death and destruction and to hoist it up on a pole for all to see. Like, these are the people who have just been bitten by these terrifying creatures, and now they're called to look at it and to trust in God for salvation. I can only imagine there were some who were like, yeah, right, I'm not looking at that thing. And, they're, and they received uh, the outcome of that. Who wants to look at the thing that's killing you? Here's the truth that's revealed. The people of Israel are told to look upon that which was killing them and to trust in God's promises. And in so doing they would receive new life. Their lives were doomed and dying, headed to the grave, and the object that was killing them was hoisted up on a pole. They were told to look on it and to trust in God's promises, and they would receive life. Friends, this is what John is trying to show us about Jesus today. Jesus would be lifted up on a pole, on a tree, for all to see. And there, on that cross, we cast our eyes on the one thing which is killing us, our sin. Have you ever thought about it that way? The Word tells us, for our sake He made Him, that is Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We know that Jesus was perfect. But this verse reminds us that Jesus took the sin of the world upon himself. Indeed, he became sin for us, that we would receive the righteousness of God. See, on the cross, we see our sin covering Jesus. We see our predisposition toward division, our hate-filled words, our addiction to substance, fame, and image, our pride, our arrogance, our gossip, our discontentment, our neglect of God and His Word, our grumbling and complaining. We see our harsh and angry words towards family members and friends. We see our very sin-corrupted nature placed on the cross, taken from us and placed on the shoulders of Jesus. Here is the truth. When we look at the cross and we see our sin there, that means our sin is no longer where? Here. All the sin and the shame you carry with you each and every day is something you need to hold on to no longer. We look to the cross 
and we see the object of death that stood against us is no longer on us, but has been placed on Jesus' shoulders. And we stand in freedom and we live. Amen? Good news for us. Captivating news for us. News that changes our lives. The sin that's there no longer clings to you anymore. This is the moment you are born from above. Born again. See, we see Jesus. We believe Jesus' promises. And through Jesus, we are saved. New and everlasting life is ours today. This Lent... This Lent provides us with a chance to change our perspective. Instead of turning our faces from that which makes us uncomfortable, I invite you all today to look at the cross. Instead of just seeing two beams bolted together, I invite you to see your sin where it remains. See that which is killing you, to see that which we've been saved from. I invite you today, as the band is coming back up here, I invite you today to remember that we were all doomed and dying. We were all bitten by the snake of our own sin, and it all ends in only one dark place. But, friends, if today you've come here today and you are overwhelmed by the weight of the darkness in your life, have I got good news for you? Nicodemus was in the darkness, right? Jesus entered the darkness with Nicodemus and shared the very gospel message with him. Jesus enters your dark situations and brings you the truth of what he has done for us. We are not quite sure what happens to Nicodemus, but we know that his encounter with Jesus begins to take root and change his life. At the very end of the story of the gospel, we see this very same man giving sacrificially pouring out a very lavish gift to bury the Savior. Jesus' words got inside him. The life that Jesus offered got inside him. He realized it wasn't about how much he did, which only leads us to either a place of pride or a place of despair. And he realized probably that it was about Jesus and what Jesus had done. Just as Jesus steps into Nicodemus's darkness, he steps into your darkness to pursue you. So as we fix our eyes on Jesus lifted up, as we see our sin on that cross, as we believe God's promise in him, friends, right there is where your sins remain. We have a God that loves us so much that he sent his son into our dark world as a beacon of radiant light to be lifted up and to take our sin and darkness upon himself. That by believing in him, trusting in his salvation, we have eternal life now. This is something that can never be taken away from you. And now, let the words of John 3.16 jump off the page 
in a fresh way for you. For God so loved the world that he gave, that he lifted up his one and only son. For God so loved you that he lifted up and sacrificed his one and only son, that whoever looks at him, whoever trusts in him, whoever believes in him shall not perish, but will have eternal life. Death is the final enemy that stands against us, and even death has been nailed to the cross so that even though this life we may die, we live with Jesus for all eternity. May these powerful, simple words elicit the same simple, desperate, unqualified faith that the Israelites displayed as they turned to look at that bronze snake as they were writhing in pain in the desert. By gazing at our sin on the cross, by the power of the Holy Spirit, working faith in the one who was lifted up for you by trusting in his promises, we experience a new birth, a new life with Jesus that lasts forever. Amen? Amen.